0: Please.
1: A little bit about uh, Felipe Wynn. What was he like? Well, Felipe, we we uh, we was looking for a lead singer in our
0: band, you know. Was, and uh, Felipe was gigging in a club downtown, and uh, we went downtown and talked to him about joining us, and uh, he agreed to join us, and because uh, we had we had seen the Ohio players, this would happened. Uh, one night, me and Boosie and Catfish went to this club in the Hills Hills, Cincinnati. It was called Babes, and uh, we watched the Ohio players. And they had like horn players, and they were they was dressed in pretty burnt orange suits. And so we was impressed, and we never all we had was us three of us, you know. So we needed a lead singer, so we can get more gigs. So we talked to Felipe. He was real nice. He could sing. He, he reminded me of Billy Stewart. You know, the guy named Billy Stewart. That's how Felipe reminded me of. And then uh, we had such a tight, tight thing going. That's why he wanted me to come and play with him with the Spinners. Because I, I knew everything he did. I knew, I, I followed him just like anything, you know. So that's why he wanted me to join the Spinners with him because he knew I was going to be the drummer. For, and the Spinners loved me. That's why I say I quit them twice. And they got and they hired me back. He had a very
1: he had a very unique voice. I thought. Oh man, he could sing. Yeah. And then he he
0: could ad lib. I'm the one got him with George and them. When 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 they did knee deep and uh, uh, all that, I'm the one got Felipe with. Well, really, I told Catfish. Felipe said, "Tiger man, can you can you can you tell Boosie them? I want to record it. I need some, you know." So I told Cat. I said, Cat. Uh, Felipe wanna uh hook up and see can he do some recording? And Cat said, Okay, let me call George. And George said, yeah. yeah. So that's how they hooked up. And and Felipe did uh, that Uncle Jam thing with George, you know? And uh and then and when he quit George and them I went back and started playing with him again. When he quit the Spinners, I went and played with him too, when he had these other group with him. And then uh he, didn't do, he had a record I called Starting Out Over. It didn't really do well, and people kept telling him he should have never left the Spinners. You what, know?
1: Why did he leave the Spinners, do you know? They didn't like him. Huh, really? They didn't. The Spinners didn't like him. The Spinners, majority of the
0: Spinners, all four of them, they all grew up together in Detroit, going to high school together. And they lead Sanger. He quit the group. LG LG quit the group to go and be with uh, Barry Guardy sister. So, Spinner's hired Felipe to be their lead singer, but they never liked him. They really never liked him because, they, I don't know if they thought he had an attitude problem or what, but they didn't really, I used to hang with Billy, the little short, fat guy in the Spinner's, Billy Henderson. Now, that's who I hung with all the time. And I used to hang, I, they got me a house over in, uh, I stayed at Marvin Gaye House on Appaline Drive for a year. And then I moved from there and stayed at the Holiday Inn. On Eight Mountain Myers for a year and a half. I lived at the Holiday Inn year, year for a year and a half when I was playing with them. You know. Did
1: you Did you do any uh, studio stuff or just uh, the tours? No, I just did. I just. Uh, it was just four of us. Uh, we was a. Yeah, uh, uh,
0: they, they got the organ player and a bass player from Indianapolis, a dude named Turk and a dude named Ronnie is and they got the guitar player that used to play with Marvin Gaye named George Jackson. If you look on Marvin Gaye I album, mean, you see this guy with this big afro playing guitar. He was the guitar player with the Spinners, and uh, and I was a drummer. So we only had four four members in the band, and uh, I was the only one from Detroit. You know, I mean, I was the only one from Cincinnati. That lived in Detroit because the rest of them was from Indianapolis and Cleveland, Ohio. You know. But
1: John, some of the records are only on the. I'm all,
0: I did all their live stuff. If you look on TV and see all the live stuff with the spinners on live on okay. TV, uh-huh. I did most of that stuff. I'm on drums playing all that stuff with them. Okay. Like I said, I did Marvin. I did uh, Mike Douglas, Merv Griffith, Midnight Special. I did Midnight Special a whole lot of times. I think we did Midnight Special about five or six times. And uh, James Earl Jones, that's what I was thinking. of uh, We did James Earl Jones' TV show because he had a TV show out in L.A we did his TV show so we stayed out there for
1: a while you must have gotten to meet a lot of interesting and famous people doing those TV shows
0: oh um, I met uh, see I met a lot of people I met I met uh, Jose Fiasiana, the guitar player the blind one
1: yeah.
0: I met um, uh, Bill Winners. I, I met uh, uh, used to sing uh, with uh, Lou Ross and them uh, uh Uh, He was married to uh, uh, a cook. Uh, What's his name? The dad, the same, uh, Sam Cook. He was married to Sam Cook's wife. Uh, It's a guitar player. name. I can't think of his name now. But I met him, and uh, I met a lot of people. I met uh, everybody at King Records. We we recorded behind Bill Doggett, uh, Honky Tonk Popcorn. We did that for Bill Doggett. Uh, we recorded, I want to go with the Soul Trees grow, But, you know, we recorded a lot of stuff at King Records, man. We, I mean, uh, like I said, the stuff we recorded behind Charles Sperling, he had a whole bunch of artists that we recorded behind. Uh, we recorded behind the last album that Hank Ballard ever recorded. We recorded that uh, Marvel Whitney. Uh, Bobby Bird, we recorded uh, his records. He didn't record no album. He All he recorded was 45 records. What was he like um, to hang out Bobby with? Bobby Bird? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Let me tell you this story. See, Bobby Bird helped James Brown when he was in jail and blah, blah, blah. Got him together and, you know, and he got him with the, they needed a lead singer with the Flames. And Bobby Bird got him the job with the Flames. And, uh, James, some kind of way after they recorded Please, 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 he uh told the people to put the record out as James Brown and the Flames. So when they put the record out, it was selling so much that the Flames complained because they wouldn't it shouldn't have been James Brown. And the Flames, it just should have been James, the Flames. But James Brown put his name on top of it and they couldn't read and and how nearly not how nearly, but uh the dude that owned King at the jam, he didn't want to Pulled the record back off the record, so they left it like that. So, next thing, James was in charge of the group thing, you know, because it was James. Everybody wanted to see James Brown and the Flames. So, eventually, James Brown got rid of the Flames. Only Flame he kept was Bobby Bird. He got rid of everybody else and he kept Bobby Bird. Bobby Bird was nice, he was real cool. But see, him and Bobby Bird fell out because Bobby Bird married Vicky Anderson. James Brown was in love with Vicky Anderson before Bobby Bird married her. So when he when when Bobby Bird married Vicki Anderson, James got rid of Bobby Bird and Vicky Anderson, and he hired Hank Ballard and Marvel Whitney.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then when he got mad at Hank Ballard and Marvel Whitney, he got Bobby Bird and Vicki Anderson back in the group. <laughs> it was weird, you know. <laughs> you know, catch with the cats who got money and power, man, they, they you know, they take advantage of everybody, are we? It never changed.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a shame because, you know, a lot of times it's the managers, but then when the actual band leaders and musicians do it too, man. It's, it's sad. I
0: mean, yeah, it's really sad, cause especially when you grow up with cats, you know, you and you, and you grow with cats and you, and, you, and, you, and I mean, I, I have been with them longer. I've been with my wife 30-something years, but when you think about it, I've been with them longer than I've been with my wife, you know? And for them to be like that, to, to be a certain way, it's sort of crazy to me, you know? Like I said, Boosie used to say that he wouldn't even mention my name. He would always say the, the drummer, the drummer. He would never say my name,
1: you know? See? But then he put my name on all his records. You, Which do you, is crazy. Do you know what tracks on the on the Sweat Band? Do you know what tracks you played on? Or oh, I'm not on none that. of
0: that. I ain't on none of that. Not,
1: I'm, I'm just. A, I'm just a, I was just a tour drummer
0: when it when oh. with Mazio, with Mazio, and, and uh, you see, it was Butch Butch Small, Mazio Parker, uh, Larry Hatchett, uh, Kevin Oliver, Mike Mitchell. Uh, David Chang, John, Razor Johnson, and me. That was a sweatband band. And uh, when we went on tour with Bootsy and them, it was the greatest funk tour on earth. And we was we was kicking their butts. We was kicking their butts so bad, they stopped us from being the opening act on the show. They told us that we didn't have a, enough time for us to play no more. So the rest of the tour, we didn't play. We played behind Bootsy. Was was Zap on that tour? Were they out yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Slide, Slide, Slide was on the show. Uh Roger Troutman was on the show. Uh George Clinton and Boosie and Sweatband. And yeah. God was singing behind us. And uh God was singing in the background with us. I had a live recording on it for a while. I don't know what I did with it, but I, I had a lot we was kicking we was kicking butt.
1: It and seems we, like it we, seems like you you've you've done a lot more um, live performance than studio work. Uh, how come it's worked out that way?
0: Well, I played behind uh, I, I play behind Aretha's sister, Irma Franklin. You know, and I play behind. I told you I played behind Law Lee. I'm more. Of a, I, I guess I was more of a tour drummer, but I was a studio drummer too because I recorded a lot of stuff at King Records. Right. I didn't record. Uh, I you know I recorded some stuff with Bootsy and Neil. I recorded the when we was the house guests, I recorded records with uh My Man Set Me Free and all that kind of stuff with Boosie them, but they took credit for the records. They put their name on the record as writers. So I didn't care. You know, I would not get paid without it,
1: John. I was just wondering if maybe I if, if I was just wondering if maybe you preferred playing on stage with, with a crowd, you know.
0: Oh, I, yeah, I enjoy playing music. I'm a musician, you know what I'm saying? I enjoy playing in nightclubs. I mean, I grew up playing in nightclubs. I mean, I mean it was a pleasure to play arenas and kind you know, was, I mean, all that kind of stuff is nice. I mean, for real. But the bottom line is that I'm a musician. I just enjoy playing. You know, I I'm not trying to I'm not trying to impress nobody, really. That's why I didn't complain when people was taking credit and I, I I got mad a couple times and said that's some bullshit, you know. But other than I you know, I enjoy playing. I, I'm a musician. That's the first thing and almost the first and only thing. I'm a musician. I like playing music. I, I don't care about all that other stuff. You know, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to impress nobody but myself.
1: How much, uh, if any, interaction did you have with George Clinton? You know, me and George, I didn't really
0: like George when we first met him in Detroit. And then when I, like I told you, when I messed up on the session in Detroit and I was in the studio with him, he was always like, well, what's wrong, Tiger? What's wrong, man? Why are you feeling like that? You know? And I really didn't want to talk to him about that. I didn't didn't really like George. I didn't think we needed George. When uh, Malia came and got us to hook up with George and be part of the punkadelics and stuff like that, I didn't think we needed George. We was already we was already uh, uh, we was already making money without George, and we was already a popular band traveling without him. We didn't need him or anything. We made him sound better. See, he had one record out, "I Wanna Testify," and they was dressed up in suits and like like the Temptation or Four Tops. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm like, we don't need him. We was doing our own thing, and but Boosie and him clicked. And George told Boosie whatever, and, and, and that what happened, you know? Like I said, once Cat was out the picture and Boosie and George was like this, because we weren't like that with George, you know? We didn't hang out with George like that, you know? I, I Like, to me, I didn't ever, just between me and you, I didn't really like George that much, you know? I thought he was arrogant. I really did think he was arrogant, but, you know, him and Boosie, they, they clicked. They clicked, and Boosie, and he got Boosie to deal with Warner Brothers Records and whoever else he got on with. So that's how that worked with them, you know? And then Boosie hired other cats. He didn't hire the same cats that was in the House Guest band. Right. He hired different cats to be in the rubber band, you know? And the only two cats that was in the band was him and, and Catfish. Frank wasn't in that band, you know? And
1: uh, so that's it. They did end up selling a lot of records, though. Yeah, yeah, they sold records, you know. But think about it.
0: Well, listen, look at all the other musicians that played with them. They ain't got nothing to show for it.
1: That's hmm. the sad truth, that. yeah.
0: And they recorded they recorded them same records with them. They played on the same show with them. I mean, Razor, listen, Razor recorded all kind of songs with Boosie. He left Baltimore, Maryland to live in Cincinnati to play with Boosie. Boosie dialed Razor out. Razor lived in a one-bedroom apartment. No money, no car, nothing. All them records he recorded with Boosie. Boosie didn't come to his aid. When, when Frank needed something when our Razor needed something, Boosie told him to get on welfare. Hmm. Get food stamps. I'm just telling you the truth, man. I ain't you know, I ain't got nothing to lie about, you know. And like I said, I ain't trying to impress nobody. You
1: know? Were were you so, tight were you tight with Razor? Oh, me and Razor was
0: cool. He's my brother-in-law. I hooked him up with my sister. He had two kids one with my sister. Oh wow. Yeah, me and Razor real cool before he died, man. Like I said, me and Mudbone. I, I call Mudbone right now if you want me to talk to Mudbone. Me and Mud, me and Mud
1: like this. You know, he don't mess with Boosie. You know. He is a unsung hero, big time Mudbone. He really is, man, because, he, he, like I said, he wrote, I'd rather be with you. He should
0: have been rich off that one song. And then he went bigger than George or Boosie when he had Sly Fox. He was bigger than Boosie was when he was with Sly Fox. He had his own thing. He didn't need Boosie. Great, you know, singer. Boosie yeah.
1: Huh? Great singer.
0: yeah, Great I mean, singer. But think about this. This is what I want you to think about. Them guys, they make all the money. And you play behind them, and you need something, and they don't come to your aid. What is that? You know? And, and 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 all the guys I know that play with George, they all did just about, and they ain't got nothing to show for it. All the guys that play with Boosie, they ain't got nothing to show for it. And the last band he had, some young boys, they left their jobs and their wives and everything to play with Boosie, and when they came back, they didn't have no jobs, no wife, nothing. So what do you show for that? When you get give you all that kind of stuff, where is the loyalty when they should give it back to you when you gave it to them?
1: Yeah, George well, got
0: a big ass place in Tallahassee, big old country place, farm and everything. But he's the only one.
1: But Ain't one, nobody one, else. One of the most vocal people about that was uh, Bernie's wife. Yeah. It's the truth. Bernie died cause he didn't have no
0: money. He had to play nightclub gigs. You bring him money. George didn't give him nothing, and when George and Sly got the million dollars, they didn't get nobody no money. They didn't get nobody nothing. George bought a big old place down here in Tallahassee. He living comfortably. Boosie bought a big old thirty-three acre farm up in Cincinnati. You living comfortably? But ain't nobody else. Think about all the other guys. Is that most everybody else did? Yeah,
1: think we, about it. We lost a lot of them the past ten years. Yeah. A lot of them did, and they ain't got nothing to show for it. Nothing. Mm-hmm.
0: The only one that got something to show for is Boosie and George, because they didn't share it with nobody else.
1: So, did you uh, meet or uh, interact with George Clinton at all after that, later on?
0: Now, George didn't like me. I didn't like him either.
1: <laughs> I, I, I told him that I don't like George.
0: I didn't like George. You know, and I told I told him one day. I said, you know what? Y'all get rich off a of catch like us. That's why y'all rich, cause the guys like us. So ever since then, we ain't never been cool. Yeah. And one day I talk, I, I talked to his. This one day I called his studio down in Tallahassee, and he told the people to hang up on me. Wow, man, that's
1: what I said.
0: <laughs> hey baby, what's that? Oh, y'all killed him. How y'all giving? So, uh, my I am a I no, Okay, thank you. I you to yeah, but you know, like I said, I was always upset with them because I felt like they should always share. Everybody should get a piece of the pie. You know, I always felt like everybody should get a piece of the pie, and they never felt like that. You know.
1: So what what did you do uh, after the spinners?
0: Well, after the spinners, I came back home, and I started playing with a band called uh, Westbound. Then I stopped playing with them, and I started playing with another band called E-Funk. And then I, before E-Funk, I played with this old man called H. Baum Ferguson, and the Medicine Man. He did a, he played blues. I went, I went everywhere with him. You know, Uh, I went to Switzerland. Uh, I went up in. nose went all Oklahoma and stuff like that. I played a lot of blues gigs with him. And we played up in Chicago a lot, too, you know. And uh, I come to think of the guitar player that owned two clubs up in Chicago, Buddy Guy. Oh, yeah. Buddy Guy wanted me to play drums for him when he seen me playing behind uh, H-bomb, but I didn't play with Buddy Guy. I didn't, I didn't take that gig. And uh, I came back home. at the. I, after I got to playing with uh, H-Bomb, I started playing with another band called E-Funk, a local band called E-Funk. And uh, we did a lot of weddings and played a lot of casinos and stuff, you know. And then my wife, mother got sick, and uh, she wanted us to move down here in Thomasville, uh, Georgia, just before she passed. So we've been down here about 15, 16 years, you know. But you know what it was funny? You know, I used to always have... Uh, Hard feelings about Boosie because he owed me a lot of money, right? And one night, God came to me. To, and I'm just to being honest with you. God came to me and said, Tiger, why are, you, why are you stuck on this one page? He said, there are many pages in your life to get on with your life. So why don't you get on with your life and get off this page? And when I woke up that morning, that thought was still in my head. Why? Why am I stuck on this page? Why am I mad at this man? Cause he owed me money. Cause he ain't gonna pay me. So, <laughs> so why am I holding these grudges on my chest like hot coals? Let me get over this. So once I got over that, I didn't care about nothing no more. I used to get mad when I used to hear Jabo and Clyde them talking about tracks they recorded with Jane. I'm like, hey, this is a biatch? These motherfuckers are taking credit for stuff I did, you know? But then again, I said, well, damn, he Jane never paid me. To record themselves, so why am I upset? You know, so I ain't got nothing to be upset about. So I just said, forget it, man. You know, I know what I done done. You know, I know how good I am. You know, so I don't need nobody to tell me how good or how bad I am. One day, Boosie told me, "Oh, Bob, you ain't got it no more." I said, "What? Oh, you ain't got it?" Cause he didn't want, cause I didn't want to play for him. He was gonna try to kill my whole ego thing. Oh, you, ain't, you ain't got it no more, Bob. You used to have it. Now, this last record I recorded, this one right here. He said, "The beat that can't be denied." Listen to the record. He talking about me. Now how is it? I'm the beat that can't be denied, and I ain't got it no more. So, yeah. are, are
1: you on that whole thing or just some tracks? I recorded
0: the whole album by myself. I played, I played, I played the whole track on this one. I'm, the, I'm the drum on all that.
1: There's some good stuff I on there.
0: A lot of stuff at Boosie. man. Listen, I recorded a whole bunch of stuff. Books he didn't give me credit. Like I said, his first album, Stretching Out, I played a lot of tracks on that. But you know, he took my name off of it so he didn't want to pay me. You know who name I told you? He put Casper, the Friendly Ghost, and everybody like, who is Casper? Did nobody know who Casper the Friendly Ghost was? Then all of a sudden he put a sheet on with a Casper outline on a sheet when he played on stage. Trying to make everybody think he was
1: cast. But Bootsy has played some. Dr- I think. I think he played drums on Flashlight. At least they say he did. Yeah, because he learned how to play drums watching me.
0: <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't learn how to play drums watching Frank Waddy. I've been with Frank. I've been with Bootsy ever since he started playing with us, me and Catfish. From the first time we started the band together, it was just me, him, and Catfish. No, and anyway, that's it. And we was the rhythm section from, for a long, that's why our rhythm section was so tight. Cause we had been playing together for so long. We rehearsed every day. We rehearsed six, seven hours a day, every day, just the three of us. And then when we did hire some horn players, we still rehearsed it like that. And, and that's why we were so tight. We were one of the baddest bands in Cincinnati at the time.
1: You know, with this uh, recently, I mean, last year they came out with that uh, unreleased JB's recording and also uh, this uh, one that I held up before. Um, Do you think there's uh, other stuff from back then that you recorded that still hasn't been released?
0: Yeah, it's a whole, man. I'm going to show you this. Look, I got a catalog. I had a friend give me this. I don't know if you can see it. But I got a catalog. I don't know. Okay, that's a catalog yeah. of all clean recordings. I got pages and pages of recordings from King records that don't nobody had. The reason why I got them is because I recorded a lot of Vicki Anderson. I recorded this, 1969. James Brown, uh, Let a Man Come in and Do the Popcorn. I recorded all that stuff. Uh, uh, Carl Barkley Came Down from the Mountains. It's country thing. Uh, Bo Dollar, the drummer. I want to go with a Soul Trees group. He used the same tracks that we did behind Arthur Priceock, and he recorded the vocals on it. I got stuff uh Popcorn Charlie, Charles Sproulin. Buddy Boy, Charles Spirling. Uh Marvel Whitney, I made a mistake because it's only you. Only you, Marvel Whitney, 69.
1: Those are things that have been released, right? Yeah. yeah. So
0: Power. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff on here that, like I said, James had a whole lot of stuff in his, uh, and, you know, he had a lot of stuff at King Records that he never did release. He recorded records every week when, when King Records gave him his own label, and he had that orange and black label with his picture on it, the 45 records. Yeah. Yeah. He would record every week, man. This cat would be in the studio every week, and we releasing records every month. He released records every month, and that because we were recording stuff like that. He never had a band like us. Major and then wasn't like us. Major Johnson was a good blues jack, you know. They were that kind of band, but it wasn't no funk band. We was the only funk band he ever had, and to this day, he still ain't got no funk. When he was still living, he never had a funk band. We mm. was the only funk band James ever had, and he always played the stuff real fast with the new cats. We always had it in the pocket. We all, when we played with James, everything was always in the pocket with him. He could, he could sing, dance, and every night they had to stick needles in his knees to drain the liquids out of his knees. Mm. I'm gonna tell you this, don't nobody gonna tell you this. Miss Gert was our wardrobe mistress, Miss Gert right? And just before the band played, she would come and give us old peas, these little pink-orange peels, old peas, they were like speed, and give us a, a Coke or orange poppers on the drink. And we would take them peels just before we start playing. And when we played, we played so fast that when we came off the of stage, we would sweat so much, you thought we had stepped in a puddle of water. Our feet, our shoes would be so wet sweat running down into the shoes. That's how hot and sweaty we were playing. And he would give us uniform that didn't make no sense. He would give us jumpsuits that were made out of like, like this sweater, you know, and you playing underneath all that hot light, <laughs> and we'd be sweating like dolls, man.
1: Especially on drums, right?
0: Uh, and drummers don't never get a break. Horn players get a break. Guitar players get a break. Piano players get a break. But was always playing all day, all night. You don't never get a break. Really? I'm, I'm gonna tell you this story. Let go me ahead. tell you this one story. So we was driving from either Florida to go to from Florida. We was either coming from Texas, or going to Florida. That's what it was. We was coming from Texas, going to Florida. So we get to this first hotel we were supposed to stay at. Uh, they cancel our reservation. So we had to find another hotel to stay in. So once we got to the hotel where we were gonna stay in, we everybody ran and took the clothes off and jumped in the swimming pool in their drawers and and we drinking and wine and hollering and screaming you know. I pulled my arm out of the socket. This my left arm because I couldn't swim. I didn't know how to swim, but I was stupid enough to jump in the water and, <laughs> and I was and, and I was trying to come out the water. My arm popped and I was like trying to do a dog swim with we one arm and I kept falling in the water. So. Phelps was laughing, and so Hassan seen me drowning. And Hassan pulled me out the water, took me back to the room, and he took me back to the room, and Hassan put his feet on my neck and my shoulder, my ribs, and tried to pull my arm back, and, and it wouldn't go back. And I'm like, oh, God. So we went to the front desk and told the guy that I fell in the tub. So the guy was scared. So he gave us his car and told us where the, the hospital was. So uh, we go to the hospital. They shoot me in my butt with some stuff. I wake up. I'm on a table. They got weights on my arm. The doctor come and put my arm back in, and and you know put it back in. And my arm is in a sling. So we walk him down the walkway to the hotel and all these palm trees and stuff like on the walkway. And so all of a sudden, Mr. Bobbitt and James come from behind a palm tree and he walking towards us. And I got a I got a sling on now, right? So, Holler and Mr. and James said, "How you doing, Tiger? You feeling all right?" I'm like, "Yes, yeah, Mr. Brown. I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. All right." He said, "You gonna be able to make the gig tonight?" I said, "Yes, sir. I'm gonna be able to make the gig." He said, "All right, all right." So it's like four or five o'clock in the morning, right? And we walking past him. He walking past us. He tell Mr. Bobby, "If he miss a beat, send his ass home." So that night. Now, usually Jabbo played, I played, but that one night, he had me play the whole show by myself. My arm was killing me. My my my, my finger right here was so bad that Miss Gert had to give me some Alpine liquid stuff to put in some water to soak my hand, and I sit on the toilet and, and have my hand in the sink all night. Wow. That's how I cra- I'm changed, man.
1: Tiger, you know, why do you think that there's been so much misinformation out there over the years, you know, in terms of credits and things like that? uh, You know, I really believe that most people
0: are hateful and evil, you know, because what what other reason would you not give a person credit for what they did? It wasn't some evil behind it, you know, or uh, something hateful, you know. And uh, and and why would you tell stories that's not the truth and tell half stories, you know, or try to take credit for somebody else's work? It's, it's evil to me, you know, because you ain't paying them no money to tell the truth, you know. You ain't taking nothing away from them to tell the truth. So for you not to tell the truth about
1: stuff, it's just completely evil. So you think ma- malice was involved, basically? Yeah, exactly. You know, because, I mean, I, yeah, I never did nothing
0: to him personally. The uh, only thing I did to him, him personally was say that I'm not going to work for you. One day, I would, you know, this, let me say this. I had went to hair school. I went to a uh, roller beauty college for a whole year to learn how to do hair, because I thought, well if I learn how to do hair and I go on a road? I can make extra money. You know, people had curls and haircuts. I said, yeah, let me do that. So I was doing booksy hair at my house. And me and my wife, me and my wife was uh, in the house when I was doing his hair. This is when he started the second rubber band. So I was doing his hair and he said, yeah, Bob, uh, listen, I want you to play uh, for the, uh, the rubber band and, and, uh, and I'm going to pay you $350 a night. And I'm, I'm doing this hair, and I'm thinking, wow, this cat didn't even ask me how much I wanted or would I play. You know, so I said, uh, well, Boosie, you know what I'm thinking, man. I said, baby, I because I call him baby. I said, well, baby, listen, man, I think I should get at least $500 a night and in my protein, you know. He said, you know what, Bob, that ain't in my budget. I said, well, if it ain't in your budget, you must don't want me to play so he got mad, got up, got his hair done, and lived. he lived about 30, 30 miles away from us, didn't he? He lived about 30 miles from us. So and then, so me and my wife went to the grocery store, and I came back, there was an envelope in the mailbox. I'm like, the mail done already ran. Who is this? It's a boost. letter from Books telling me that he can't mess with me and Razor no more. He was mad at me and Razor. I don't know why he was mad at Razor, but he put Razor's name in my letter. That he he was mad at me and Razor, and I was and I was no longer his boy. You you used to be my boy, Bob, but you ain't my boy no more. Mm-hmm. What is this? I said this nigga crazy, man. And he drove from his house back to my house and put the envelope, the letter in my mailbox. That's how crazy he is. I'm like, wow, man
1: he he tells he tells that story he's told many times about uh, tripping on acid with the jb's while you guys were on stage do you do you remember that lie. or were, were you that's doing drugs lie. too that's
0: a lie. that's a all that stuff he'd be talking about that's a lie. he want people to think that he like jimmy hendrix he used to go to bed at nighttime listening to jimmy hendrix he wanted to be a jimmy jimmy hendrix on bass that's it. Boosie be lying. I'm telling you, man, this cat lied. He had us come to his house last year to do a video videotape. And this lady was doing an interview with us. Mm-hmm. And they was asking us, when did you meet Fels and, and Boosie? And how did their life affect your life? And I'm like, wow. Okay, we're taping this and, you know, recording. And it. And I'm telling this guy named Sugar... Uh, big Big Rob that worked with uh, Roger and them, I was telling him, I said, so he said, uh, you know what, Tiger? He said, man, the only reason Bootsy got us recording this stuff and telling us telling when we met them and how we met them and I, is because he can't remember. he been telling lies for so long. He don't even remember the truth no more. And that's the truth. He, he, he lied about everything. He he told a story one day. This is the truth. He said that James Brown opened the back door of King Records, and he was standing out there in the parking lot, and James said, Hey, Boosie, I heard about you, man. Come on in here. That was the biggest lie I ever heard in my life. Because like I said, he never gave Charles – in in his interviews, he never gave this captain Charles Spreland, and look him up. I'm telling you now, look him up when you, you get through doing this. Look up Charles Perler. Boosie never gave him credit but let him give, be in King's studio. Boosie acted like he did it all his own. Boosie acted like he was he was in charge of the band. Why would he be in charge of the band? and he the youngest cat in the band. Who would let him be the band leader? Who? Mm-hmm. That, that do not make no sense. And People believe that stuff that he'd be saying. Because Boosie and he's a superstar. So when the superstar tell you stuff, it's the truth. It's supposed to be, ain't it? He be lying. And I tell that in front of his face. He lie all the time. Wow. Uh, tell, you, tell, your, tell your followers that Boosie be a liar.
1: And, <laughs> well, they're going to hear it from you. is <laughs> he yeah. And you can say
0: the Tiger said that Boosie be a liar, so you don't be in trouble. <laughs> Just say, Tiger said Boosie be a liar. And see what he's doing. He ain't gonna do nothing cause he know I'm telling the truth
1: what do you what do you think about uh, funk music itself is so special, and why has it captivated so many people for so long?
0: Because is for real. it's from it's from within you know it's something that you feel. you know it ain't, It ain't something that you write down on a piece of paper, and and everybody can't play funk, you know. Everybody can't play it, you know. It's something that comes from within, you know. And then when you with a lot of cats together, it's like a a marriage or a relationship, you know, a family. And once the family gels together, it's something that can nobody cut through it. So that's that's how I look at it. Funk, funk music is another generation. You know, and it, it's going to always be here. I mean, you know, musical, funk music, music in general is a universal language. Everybody understands music. I don't care what language you speak or what country you live in. Everybody understands music. I don't, you know, That's the common sense. And funk music is the next step from where we was come, we're growing. I mean, we came from country and western to blues and soul. And, and 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 then rap music, you know, and then it's taking it to another level or something else. It's gonna always be something, but funk music gonna always come back to the to the pages where people gonna have to play because it's, it's it's natural, it's common, it's it's easy to play, it really is, and it's and, and it's and it's easy to the ear. When you hear a beat, a back beat, and somebody play another thing to it. And next thing you know, you're packing your feet, too. It. It's like a, a hoop nanny. You know how people used to do back in the old days? Get on the porch with manga and beat on pans and, and sing and, and just have a good time. That's all it is, it's a good time. And everybody enjoying themselves. That's what punk music is.
1: Yeah, sounds good to me. What uh, What are you most proud of when you look back on your career?
0: I'm blessed. You know, God blessed me to learn how to play drums and be able to travel. When I was a little boy, my grandma used to bring home these National Geographic magazines. And I just looked through. I couldn't read that good. I just looked at the pictures and be happy looking at the pictures and seeing different countries. And then when I had the opportunity to go to places playing music, you know, it didn't get no better than that. And I started out playing music. All I did. When I first started playing drums, oh, I just wanted somebody to say, come on, it, come on, and jam with us, man. And I was happy just to jam, you know. But the, the, then once I started playing and started getting paid to do that, and I'm like, wow, you going to pay me to play drums? Whoa. I was happy as a sissy in Boys Town, really, really, you know. I'm like, wow, man, this is, this is fantastic. And then travel the country, especially when you just travel to the United States, places you ain't never been in the United States before. And then you get a chance to go outside the country all because of music. You know, you uh, don't get no better than that. You really don't. That's why I said I ain't, you know, I don't hold no, no, no hot, cr- colds on my chest no more. I'm past that stage, you know. I'm 70 years old, you know. And when I, when I was 19, 20 and all that, I was wild, having fun, enjoying myself. And I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just doing it. It was just natural, you know? And we used to make a lot of mistakes on James Brown records. And he kept them. I mean, for real, you can hear a lot of mistakes on them. There's
1: got to be. They, the, way you guys band were, stopping, huh? the way you guys recorded them, there's got to be some mistakes, yeah. Oh,
0: there was
1: a lot of mistakes. And they kept a lot of mistakes, you know? Uh,
0: but that was part of the deal. You know, we... We learned from our mistakes, and we made them better. James Brown, he loved us. You know, he really did. He, I mean, like I said, we were the best band he ever had, man. You know, we really was. What,
1: what What advice would you give to young musicians coming up now, maybe, to avoid some of the, you know, hardships that you went through?
0: Really stay true to yourself. You know, I think most people being backwards to be in a certain position and you're not happy in that position, you know, and you, and you should always stay true to yourself. You know, if you're going to be a musician, be a musician, you know, don't let nobody change that. You know, I was talking to my brother the other day, you play in a church band and the lead, the, the guy that played the lead, his timing is so bad that they all, everybody in the band complained, but they don't want to tell him. Because he's in charge, you know. And my brother said, man, I don't know what to do, man. Because when I'm playing piano, this tempo is up and down. I said, well, you know what? My advice to you is to be true to yourself. If you're a true musician, you play. You don't worry about nobody else playing. You enjoy doing Do what you do. Don't worry about what Tom Tom and Dick is doing. Don't worry about that. Do what you do. And then if you're true to yourself, Everything will fall in place. You know? But if you ain't true to yourself, don't nothing work out for you. Cause you 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 faking it. And like they say, if you fake the funk, your nose will
1: grow. Yeah. It's Pinocchio you theory know? right there.
0: Oh yeah, it's the truth. It really is the truth. And you can see the people that be faking the funk. Some people be playing and they be quiet and you be like, where they at? And, you know, faking the funk. Some people can play. Some people. I moved down here in Georgia, right, Thomasville, Georgia. And this cast down here got certificates on their walls, for going to school for music. I mean, colleges and stuff. But they cannot play. They don't have no good timing. They don't. They don't even know what timing is. I don't think. I'm like looking at them like, wow, you got you got certificates on the wall. You don't know how to play, and you teaching music. I don't understand. You know, I taught myself. And I, and, I, and I outplayed a lot of musicians that was playing years before I was, just because I was true to myself, you know. But if you're a young musician and you're trying to make it in this world, you know, record companies ain't like they used to be. No. That's how I got you. They ain't what they used to be. I got record companies right now owe me money. Polydor Records, Atlantic Records. I got companies that owe me money. And every time I would try to get in touch with them, they changed the company into a different name. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, mainly just be true to yourself. I mean, you know, if you're true to yourself, it's gonna fall in place regardless. You know, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. If you if you do it, if you don't do it. So I just my thing is just practice every day, practice to get better at what you're doing, and enjoy it. If you don't enjoy doing it, it ain't worth doing. it. But if you gotta enjoy doing it for it to work. And if you're enjoying it, and it's going to fall in place. Watch me. Believe that. Because, you know, I didn't have no manager. I didn't have nobody watching my back doing everything. I, I just trusted in God. And everything just fell in place for me, you know?
1: Yeah. Is there any other um, messaging you'd like to get out to funk fans or, you know, JB well, let or
0: say, fans? Let me or... say this to everybody, man. You can't believe everything everybody tells you. You can't believe everything you read. So some things ain't true, you know? And people tell lies to make themselves look good, you know? And that's sad, to me that's really sad. You know, like I said earlier, we should all be able to enjoy a slice of the pie, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you might be able to get a half of it, but there's still another half that other people should be able to enjoy. But sometimes when people get money and get power, they don't want. They don't want to share nothing with nobody. And I done seen cats. They help other cats make money and die penniless, no money, nothing. Nothing to leave their kids, their family, and nothing, man. And that's sad. Very sad. You know, that's yeah. sad. That's really, it's really sad, man. When you think it like that, man. And you working for these people, and they got millions of dollars, and they don't want to share none of that with you. You know, that's sad. To me, it is. I don't know about nobody else. So, I, you know, like I said, God helped me to get over that nonsense, you know. And I, I'm i so glad I ain't in that no more, you know, because sometimes it can be evil, you know. It can be evil, and, and unless you can handle that, stay at home, you know. That's why I tell you stay at home, man, because you can get turned out on the road.
1: I'm glad you came out of that tunnel, Tiger, and I'm glad you're here to tell these stories. And this show is called Truth and Rhythm for a reason, to get the truth from, you know, folks like you that have lived it.
0: Well, I'm glad you let me tell the truth because I'm 70 years old, man, and I've been trying to tell the truth for a long time. Well, nobody listened to me. I told people what I recorded for James Brown. They said I didn't record it. I'm like, man, I did record that stuff. man. Huh? I'm telling you, I would record that stuff. But then, you know, they say somebody else recorded. I'm like, okay, you know, what can I say? I ain't going to fight you about it, but I know what I did. So I'm just glad that you took the time to listen to what I had to say.
1: A pleasure. Thank you for uh, coming on and sharing all that. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm headquarters, thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe go to YouTube, go to the Funk and Stuff channel that's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives also goodies here like TIR Quick Takes and if you subscribe, you know what, you get the show before anyone else it's free if you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul you can't miss it pass it along, tell a friend, tell family this audience is growing and it is a beautiful thing all coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially, keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the funkinstuff.net website. On the right hand side of every page, you just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated and if you do a sizable donation I will mention you on the program also drop me a line email me at G at net. let me know who else you'd like to see on the show what you enjoy about the music let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff you know talk music you'll find that I respond very quickly and I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction always remember this is your show true music lover. So for now that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap. As always Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.